Hi, my name is Nick, also known as Aloyn, and welcome to the Getting Hip podcast. In this episode, firstly, I've finally decided to just say, screw it, I'm going to start actually playing guitar, which is the instrument I'm good at, and not the piano. Uh, so you'll be hearing a lot more of the guitar. I also have the piano here set up if I ever need, but yeah. Uh, in terms of everything else, it'll still stay the same format. Uh in this episode, I wanted to talk about the infamous, notorious Coltrane changes. I'm not, like, I don't want to talk too much about it, just because, firstly, it's been talked about to death, but also I kind of want to have in, like, when you scroll through the list of episodes, I want someone to be like, oh, Coltrane changes, oh, yeah, but, so, you know, part of it is, it's kind of like clickbait, but I did have a kind of funny idea while I was thinking about this, so I'll, uh, I'll get to that in a second, but... For Coltrane changes, so John Coltrane was a jazz saxophone player, and he played uh, with, like, yeah, I mean, everyone, if you listen to this, you probably already know who John Coltrane is, but if you don't look him up, John Coltrane, he had a couple of amazingly influential albums, such as Giant Steps, A Love Supreme, uh, My Favorite Things, and then also some later more cooked stuff, like Ascension and Interstellar Space. Played with Miles uh, and you know, was a very, he was fond of playing many notes. Uh, so I kind of gravitated towards uh, him as well. But he, he wasn't the first one to do this, but he definitely made it popular, especially in his tune Giant Steps and Countdown. Uh, he, Coltrane Changes are basically a matrix of interweaving between three different key signatures that are separated by a major third two major thirds so at all together an augmented triad we've got b major seven as an example and then a major third up from that is e flat major seven a major third up from that is g major seven and then if we go another major third up we're back to b major seven so as an example the tune giant steps i'm not going to play the melody because of copyright reasons but i can play the chords of course uh is B major 7, and then it goes down a major 3rd. Or it goes it goes to the, the key that's down a major 3rd, but it sets it up by playing the 5 chord, which is a D7. So we're heading to G major 7, but we don't just go straight there. We go B major 7, 5 of G major 7, 5 of E flat major 7, which is a B flat 7. Okay? So that's a that's a super basic example of uh, like Coltrane changes in action. Just one chord going to the five of the next key, going to the five of the next key, right? And you can firstly you can just write a composition based around that. You can choose another like different another three different key centers. Let's say you wanted A, D flat, and F, and you don't actually have to modulate in the same direction that Coltrane did. So Coltrane went like descending from B to down to G, down to E flat, but you can go up. So let's say uh, A major and we'll go up to D flat major, up to F flat major, up to F major. So we would have an A major seven, go to an A flat dominant seven, up to a D flat major seven, down to a C seven, up to an F major seven. 
Mm. And part of me is like, I really like that sound. It's 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 a little it's a little kind of hacky, I guess, because it, it sounds so much like you know like. <laughs> it's a little bit like. But, and I can probably guess why Coltrane didn't do it, but I think as an interesting kind of, uh, I, I think it is an interesting alternative, even though I can understand why Coltrane would have opted for, why, why he would have opted for that instead. Um, but yeah, so that's an example where we're ascending uh, kind of, where we're going up the major thirds instead of going down, right? Now, you don't... Now, those are, like, more isolated examples where we take the the three keys and we just set them up by playing the five chord beforehand. But if we take a look at Coltrane's tune uh, Countdown, that has what's... what I'll describe as a... 251 but with coltrane changes. So the first set of chords are a 251 going to the key of D major. Okay? And so he starts with an E minor chord, E minor 7th, but then he goes up to F7 to G flat major 7th, up to D flat 7th to G flat major 7th, up to A7 and then finally to D major 7th. So he's taking, so what he's done is he's starting on the E minor 7, and what he's done is he's calculated how many chords, how do I end up on D major 7 if I follow my descending uh, major 3rd pattern? So from D, the augmented triad from D is D, F sharp, and B flat, or D, G flat, B flat. Or D F sharp A sharp, depending on how, or E double flat. I'm kidding. Um, so what he can do is he knows he wants to end up on D major on the start of the fourth bar. One two three four two two three four three two three four four. And so all he has to do is just actually calculate backwards what the chords would be. So, and then set them up with their five sevens. So you can kind of like memorize just the formula and apply that to any key so you could do so like for me honestly the way that i think about it is if it's a two if i wanted to do a two five one with coltrane changes i just think of where's the two chord let's say it's a two let's see it's a two five one into c major giant steps as a bosser here we go uh i just start on the two up a semitone down five, up, and then you're following the formula from here. So D minor, upper semitone to the five, resolves, upper minor third to the five, resolves, upper minor third to the five, resolve. And that's gonna get you where you need to where you need to go. Okay? So Oh my god, as a actually just pure coincidence, I wanted to mention this as an anecdote. I've been I was I, I've mentioned in a previous podcast that I'm learning 50 standards this year and uh countdown was one of them. 
and I learned it and I was like, oh, okay, here, I'll look at my list of standards. I'm going to go now learn uh, another one because I know that I'm going to practice countdown uh, like a little bit later uh, and I have time. So I, don't, I did not consciously remember it, but there was probably something in the back of my mind that knew it because the next tune that I chose was Tune Up <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like, what the, this is like just a shit version of Countdown. Oh, uh but yeah, I, I didn't even realize until like I, I, I opened it and I looked at it and I started playing through it and I was like, oh my God, I just remembered that Countdown is a contrafactive tune-up. But yeah, that was a funny little funny little coincidence. So that's how you apply Coltrane changes to a 2-5-1. You take the two chord, go upper semitone, resolve, upper, upper minor third, resolve, upper minor third, resolve. And you'll end up where you want it to be. You, I mean, like... The logical question is, well, can you do this with minor two five ones? So if you start on the two, let's say we want to do a two five one into G minor. Could you follow that exact same formula? And you can, I guess, technically end up in the same place if you went like A half diminished, B flat seven, E flat minor, F sharp seven, B minor, D seven, G minor. But honestly, I don't. I don't think I've heard that in an example or a context. If you have, definitely let me know. But like, I don't know the the minor Coltrane changes. Like, I've just I've just not heard them. Um, but yeah, like I mean, obviously you can just apply that same f formula. Start with the two upper semitone, resolve re up minor third, resolve upper minor third, resolve. Could be cool. Um, but the one thing, the kind of funny thing that I wanted to mention that, uh, uh, at the start of the podcast was that when I was thinking about talking about Coltrane changes for this podcast, I realized you can actually also apply tritone substitution to the five chords of the tritone substitute of the Coltrane changes. And you start to get this kind of really weirdly like metal sound where, especially if you play them just as regular dominant seven chords and not as like altered chords. So if we take that example of two, five into E minor or in, two, five into D major, starting on E minor and we apply the Coltrane changes, but then we replace all of the five chords with their tritone substitution. We get E minor, B seven, B flat major seven, G seven, G flat major seven, E flat seven, D major seven. Right? Which is a really kind of, well, firstly, it, it still sounds like Coltrane changes, but it's got this very kind of diminished vibe of like, well, that's actually not a diminished scale. It's like an augmented scale, but having just those many minor seconds next to each other. Yeah, that's a cool little discovery that we've got like those uh, major, that augmented scale, which is just like one upper minor third, upper minor second, minor third. It's like minor third, minor second, minor third, minor second. So. Right. Uh, and. What is also really cool is that over all of the chords in Giant Steps, you can play 
that augmented scale because it's like it's it's not quite correct in all of the keys but it's a reflection of all the keys so so if you're not sure what to play in the a section of giant steps just play just play a g or a b or an e flat augmented scale but yeah so try and like apply these examples into your everyday playing you can like I think one of the things that's worth considering is something that a teacher of mine talked about when I was in uni, which was like the danger of playing outside on a tune like Giant Steps, because when you're playing, like I'm going to play like pretty slow and under tempo just to show you what it sounds like. But if you're playing lines, you want them to be spelling out the chord changes, as is often the case. B major seven, then going to like a D seven, G major, a, uh, B flat seven. E flat major 7, A minor, D7, G, B flat, E flat, uh, G sharp, or G flat, or F sharp, B, and then F minor, B flat, E flat, and then etc, etc. But uh, obviously, as we get more and more into, into like playing lines and playing outside, we're talk about different substitutions and stuff but one of the things that this teacher sean talked about was you got to be careful when you're doing that because it might just sound like you're not playing over the changes especially because giant steps is like a flex tune like i mean let's be real it's you play it just to show that you can play it and of course, yes, you can be expressive and it can be beautiful and there are some really good arrangements, but it is a challenge tune. You are sitting down and being like, okay, whew, I got through it, you know, level unlocked, let's move on to the next boss that is Countdown. But it's... And because of that, you don't... It's it's a little hard to be expressive. It's, it's not a surprise that not a whole lot of people, like professional people, play it that often. It, well... I mean, obviously professional people play it, but like you see it on albums and stuff, like it's just, it's, uh, I mean, firstly, it's really hard to play it as anything except an above tempo swing. And sometimes you can get like really cool arrangements, but oh my God. And then other times you'll hear it as like a bossa nova and it's just cringe. But yeah, that's why you need to be a little bit careful when you think about like, oh, what are some cool substitutions that I can play? Because there is the risk of just sounding like you don't know what you're playing or, or you don't know what the changes are. You don't know how to outline them very well because it's such a, it's so, it's so embedded in our culture as a challenge tune. So yeah, that's something that's that's just worth considering before you bust out all of your tritone substitutions. But of course, compositionally, you can you can go ham. You don't need to give any shits about that but that's the uh segment that i have on giant steps and coltrane changes the next thing that i want to talk about now that i have the guitar is something that i'm still kind of working out and trying to get good at it's it relates back to something i talked about many podcasts ago which was uh, anchoring technique on the guitar where you would take you would take a scale say like a g major and you have like you you remove one of your fingers by playing 
a note that's higher up in the scale. And so that you're kind of like, it sounds sort of like a pianist who is comping and playing a solo at the same time. And you can actually, that was me removing one finger. But you can actually remove. So I've got just a, a B and a D natural playing with my second and third finger. And I'm playing the whole scale with just first, fourth, first, first, fourth, first, fourth, fourth. I know this doesn't translate too well when it comes to uh, just audio and it would work better for video. So I'm not going to talk too long about specific fingerings and stuff, but I'm just going to talk about how one of the problems that I have with this because of the way that the guitar is laid out is that it's a lot easier to do it with notes. Like it's a lot easier to do this idea with having notes that are higher and you play the scale lower. Oh, that one I need to practice. So that's like a high fifth and nine. But the problem is that with pianos, a lot of the time your left hand is playing the chords and your right hand is soloing. So the accompaniment material or the accompanying notes are lower in pitch than the notes that you're soloing over. This is obviously not always the case. And I think that we can actually on the guitar take advantage of that fact and make our comping and playing more unique by having, or not more unique, but just unique from the piano by having the higher notes as the accompaniment and the lower ones as the... the so the higher ones are our accompaniment in like a B flat minor. I'll have, say, my first two fingers playing the seven and nine and you have to do some really weird things so uh, like if there are any guitarists who are for whatever reason actually playing along if i've got my fourth finger playing the nine uh playing the flat seven and my third finger playing the nine i can play the scale But you actually have to reach your uh, <laughs> you have to reach your second finger past where your third finger would go to get like that minor third at the very top. Which is a fun little challenge. But one thing that I do want to see is, firstly, before I just say, oh yeah, not for guitar, you come with higher notes and you solo with lower notes which is nice. Uh, I want to see if there are actually some ways in which I can kind of accomplish that same. Lower notes are comped and higher notes are played. And one of the things that I think we can take advantage of is the fact that the guitar is tuned in fourths and the interval of like the major seven to the major third or the minor seven to the minor third is a fourth. So this is like an A, oh, sorry, this is a G to a C, which is like the major seven and major third of an A flat major seven, or this is just sounding too hokey and happy. But yeah, 
I think it's definitely possible because in that case, you only actually have to sacrifice one finger. I'm just using my first finger. Uh, and But there are also some tricky things. So on a piano, if you played... Uh, like if you played a G and a C and you wanted to solo, you can use pretty much all of the notes except for that G and C because you've already like got that held. You can of course play it again, but it would stop being one of the notes that you're being held. On the guitar, we can technically do that, but it's hard because let's say that I've got this G and C and I'm thinking of it as the minor seven minor third of A minor. We can play stuff that's on different strings without any worries. Mm. Oh, that's a big stretch. Uh, but one problem is that we can't really easily get to a D because of the way that the, the, the strings work. We're going to stop that C ringing out. So we can actually do some... So what I've done there is actually hold the the perfect fourth with my first finger and slide. You can probably hear a bit of fret noise. I'm sliding between what finger is holding it. So I've got my first finger holding it and then I move to my second finger holding it. So now I could move and reach back to get a D and a G. But one problem, as you probably heard just then, is that you really have to practice to get your finger tension all right, because otherwise you can kind of bend them out of tune. But I, and yeah, so that can also apply. Uh, in all these examples, I've been thinking of it as like an A minor seven, but if we treated it like an A flat major seven, with my right hand for that one but yeah it's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie it definitely feels janky it's nowhere near as easy as the idea of like playing with your left hand on the piano and playing with your right hand on uh, playing with your left and right hand on the piano or as simply just playing the chord on the guitar duh, like as a staccato ding, 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 ding. <laughs> people do a lot but I, I think that it's just a bit of a shame because we don't like we don't get that same sound of like but then again that's also where the uh Game Changer Plus pedal comes in. Oh, product. it's not product placement. I wish I was sponsored by them. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I uh, I talked about them in the like five top five musical gadgets episode. And I've actually got it set up for you right now because it's pretty cool. Like I'll take, say, a B flat dominant seven. Hold the pedal. 
cool but as you probably can tell it doesn't accommodate fast chord changes right it's it's just kind of it just kind of doesn't work because you need to like <laughs> it's it's you just don't have enough time to sustain it so if you're playing like long drawn out ambient stuff uh let's say you just have like a static d minor seven chord but it's as i said it, it it's not really the best for like really quick chords uh and so that's when i think we can probably take advantage of having some of these like actually just doing it acoustically or or like physically with our hands but yeah there are definitely some ways in which you can approach this approach practicing it so one is just having a specific soprano point or a specific pedal point and you just uh, like just one not not a not two notes or or anything more um and just playing around that so you would have say like i'm doing this all now acoustically without the pedal and so you can choose a specific finger so i'm going to choose my pinky as i've done in this example it's like an a minor nine and i'm going to have the pinky playing the nine and i'm using my other three fingers and i'm trying really hard to like keep that b sustained i don't want to be constantly playing it to like a G major 9 back to A minor 9 and then oh so this is where some of the limitations come in right It, I wanted to go I wanted to go up to that G but it's really quite tricky to get your finger over you can't quite get your finger over there if you've got your pinky already set and so one thing you can do is you can try, you can practice enough to have enough forward thinking that you're like, okay, well, because I know I want to go up there, I'm actually going to do a quick shift. I'm going to play it again and I'm shifting to my third finger. And I've now got that with my third finger. And you can also do some practicing of just like... Similar to what I was doing before, but it's slightly easier of moving, changing what finger is holding the note midway through, like while the note is sustaining. So I'm going to play, I'm going to do an example where I'm actually going to start with the B being played, being played with my pinky. And then I'm going to transition it to my second finger as I did just then so that I can reach up into the kind of seventh to 10th fret realm. So I've got like a, 
So this is now we're going to be smart with this. We're going to choose exactly when we're going to start to change because that I was playing like an A Dorian scale. But I can't play that F sharp with my for, with my third finger because that's the one that I need to change. I hmm, but here's another question. I was thinking it's going to be easiest to transition from fourth to third to second finger, but what if I just did straight from fourth to second, like that? So, like, I'm going, and I'll do the change now. Ah, oh, let's do this. And I'm now playing that with my second finger. Oh, there's some really tricky stuff. It's it's hard, but I think it's definitely something that, like... Well, I mean, firstly, this is why this podcast is called Getting Hip and not Got Hip, because it is a present tense podcast. Uh, but I also would really love to get, uh, like, your guys' opinion on how you would approach comping yourself, just yourself when playing guitar, like, without doing the kind of... nothing wrong with that i just think that it's it's just not the same as having the chord sustaining the whole time which is not you don't need to do it like obviously often even piano players are playing just really short staccato chords while then accompanying themselves but i just think it would be a fun texture to start to see and hear a little bit more Anyway, it's getting about that time, and thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast's featured album is Donia, D-O-U-N-I-A, by Mokhtar Samba. It's the first album I ever bought. Uh, he's an African drummer and percussionist, and I cannot recommend this album enough. It's... Thanks again for listening. Hope you're staying in the shed. Keep getting hip, and I'll see you guys in the next podcast.